deductions, accounting programs, and more. Ready for business to be. Good morning. Oh, you know what? Good afternoon. Oh my goodness. It's so amazing to be back on every month. Um, let me tell you guys, I appreciate the love and the support and the following and everything that comes along with having this show. Um, we get so much love out and about, whether we're in Florida or Georgia. And that's so phenomenal because we started like in you know, with an idea. And if you guys don't know who Mr. Gamble is, he is the best. So if you're trying to get on radio in any way, shape, form, or fashion, listen, get with Mr. Gamble. He is the bomb, okay? Now, I want to introduce my guest, okay? Listen, my guest is AKA my best friend. He's amazing. I love him. And if you need food, a restaurant, or a place, to be connected with other people. Let me tell you, Stu is your man, okay? Stu from PMRG Mortgage is phenomenal, and I am blessed to have him back on the show. Welcome, Stu. Hey, it's great to be here. <laughs> I, the name of our company, though, is Paramount Residential Mortgage Group. What did I say? Oh, you just missed the R part of it, but that's okay. It happens. P-R-M-G. Oh, I'm sorry. So this was a company that was founded about, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago by a couple of high-producing mortgage loan originators in California, and we are now in 43-plus states. So you're licensed to do loans in 43-plus states, or the company is? The company is. I'm licensed in Florida, Uh but right now, through the Seminole Chamber, I met somebody a year and a half ago (laughs) who actually is in North Carolina, and he is a CPA also, much like you. Really? And he's buying a house out there, and you know who he's coming to do the mortgage? You. Me, and I will refer it to someone who's licensed there in North Carolina. But you know why he came back to you? back to me because of honesty transparency and making that connection with him and just staying in touch and checking in and saying hey how how's it going starting a a new accounting practice in a new city in a new state you know your follow-up is amazing how before we get into the meat of this how what is it about you and your steps and the things that you have in place that allows your follow-up with the people that you network with to just stay so pure, genuine, and authentic. When I I have been in this business a long time, Mm -hmm. and our company offers training. Some of it I have to pay for, some of it's free. Mm -hmm. And a couple years ago, they offered some free training through Zenix Mortgage Academy. And I took the six-week course and part of the course talked about um, how to do get get into networking groups and how to actually network and dealt with a lot of accountability and even though I had been in the business you know 30 years I think you can always learn something new and you can improve nobody's perfect and what I took out of that class Mm -hmm. was how to get into a networking group Uh and make it happen and to how to improve my accountability. So one of the things I always do mm-hmm. is make sure, one, everything gets on a schedule that's in front of me, and two, if something changes, um, to make sure you follow up in plenty of time so the other person in you can rework out your schedules. 
I like that. Have you. I like that. Now, I will say you definitely used that training in a situation where you had a, a change in schedule because of your company had something planned and it was unexpected. And so it shifted our calendar. But you did. You gave me more than enough time to shift my schedule and replan. And because of that, I was like, sure, we can work it out anytime. And so I'm glad you learned that. Listen, Stu is amazing. Like in so many ways, I watched you yesterday because we were at an event, and you 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 handled the room like perfectly. How how does that work? Um, I I think that you 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 know to me all of these events. This was a realtors event with the Volusia Women's Council of Realtors that I've been a strategic partner for six years, and they have a lot of new members and and new strategic partners. And you know what? If you don't know someone, just walk up and introduce themselves and have a five-minute conversation and exchange business cards. Wow. You're in these groups, and you know what? People are expecting you to walk up, and you can just walk up. Hi, I haven't met you. I'm Stuart Peisner with Paramount Residential Mortgage Group. And then that person, you, you put them at ease by be, by politely just introducing yourself mm -hmm. and then asking a question or two about them. Because who doesn't good. like to talk about, about themselves? themselves? You know, I just left a lunch. Um, I had an amazing lunch uh, meeting because I wasn't even hungry because I'm kind of like you with my people. One of my clients brought me breakfast this morning. He brought me shrimp and grits um, and croissant French toast. I still haven't even eaten my food because I had a lunch to go to, but he must uh, have been a broken egg. No, he made it himself. <laughs> oh, did he? Yes, he's a wow, chef. Baby. That's awesome. I know. Um, we had something um, a couple a week ago, and I didn't get a plate because I was the presenter. And he said, "I'm going to make you what I made for them because I know you didn't get a plate." And so he surprised me today with the plate, and I would say, you know, the just the smell had the office like. Oh, whoa, it was so good. And for the people who hate seafood, I'm sorry. My my, my apologies. But I went to this luncheon, um, this lunch meeting, and um, I really didn't know why she wanted to meet, you know? Um, and apparently when we met at another networking event, I said something to her and she remembered. And so when she finally had time to, you know, things slowed down, she wanted to talk about this um, project that we're working on called Space for Change and how she could potentially have her business partner, you know, be a part of this uh, this project we're working on. And he wants to bring $119 million to the table. So being in a networking room, having the conversation, speaking about the project and briefly um, she remembered that and was like, hey, and so by the end of the meeting, we both were like, well, outside of this project, what can I do for you? And I think we both really genuinely asked that question because it wasn't even about the us getting together in my mind because I don't, you know, I'm just a little piece of this project that we're working on. But it was like, wow, you know. When you're when you go to these places, it's really important to say who you are, what you do, how can you help someone, how can you network with them to get the business out in the end. 
Yeah, well, so so the next step after you've had that conversation mm -hmm. and you have that business card is what do you do with it now? Ooh. So my business cards, everybody gets typed into a customer attention manager, and three or four times a year I'm hiring you know, a college student who lives in my neighborhood to come sit down at my laptop at my desk in the evening, mm -hmm. and they're typing and doing all that manual data input mm -hmm. because... I know that's just one thing I'm not going to do. I might be able to do 10 cards and just say, oh, no, I, I, <laughs> that's not something I'm going to do. Right. So this way they also get every Friday, they get a short little economics update about what's happened in you know, in, in the market and, and the general economy over the course of a week. Yeah. So you keep your name in front of them. Yeah. And as you said, if you think about how you can help that other person, yeah. um, and, and sometimes there might be a long gap before you actually have a conversation with somebody yep. and suddenly it triggers them, boom, boom, and then you bring them into the conversation, you throw them out a referral. It's up to them to still make the sale, but you've opened the door. Right. And that comes back to help you eventually also. That's true. You see what my son's uh, doing. He, he's manual labor. I think he's like car 119 in today. <laughs> Well, he hasn't had any of your shrimp and grits yet. <laughs> no, I think he'll go to for, sleep. For a teenage boy, that's... Listen, he might go to sleep on me after he eats that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so listen, Stu, first, before we get going, tell people how they can find you on social media. So, you can find Stuart Peisner on Facebook. Okay. You can find my Stuart Peisner Mortgage Loan Originator on Facebook also. Okay. I'm also on LinkedIn. Okay. And those are the two primary ways in which people can find me. And the last name, because sometimes people Back don't up. get it, it's P-E-I-S-N-E-R. And the first name is S-T-U-A-R-T. Stu, my best friend, you might can find him that way too. <laughs> Okay, Stu, so listen, the mortgage industry right now, why is their inflation running so high? So inflation has been running high through the economy for, what, eight, nine months, maybe a year now. Mm -hmm. So when COVID hit and we were in year two of it, mm -hmm. you know, they continued pushing money into the economy. And they wanted the... The, the 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 consumers out there spending money because of course that will provide jobs mm -hmm. when they saw the unemployment numbers go from three percent to twenty percent or even higher mm -hmm. depending on subcategories and what have you right. to to help save businesses because how many small businesses have gone under restaurants service places I I mean that's been untold casualties right so. The problem was the demand side can't keep up right now. Just when you go to the grocery store, you see the meat counters are not full right. because processing beef and chicken and pork is a labor-intensive industry in a closed factory situation. Right. And with COVID, they just can't produce enough because they don't have enough people that they can put in. Right. You also have problems getting things through the port of LA and the port of port of Seattle, two of the five busiest ports in, um, yeah. for a lot of different reasons. 60 Minutes had a great piece on the port of LA on those problems. 
So basically the demand side hasn't been able to keep up with the supply side. So that's a transitory inflation that, that hopefully as COVID winds its way through and viruses become weaker and weaker as they mutate, according to what I've heard on, on the news from medical professionals, mm -hmm. um, the supply side will pick up and start filling in and catch up to the demand side. And, and if the inflation is transitory, then inflation will drop back down to regular levels. <laughs> we had to hope it's not a core inflation. Right. For people who remember what happened um, during Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan when OPEC put an oil embargo on this country and you saw the price of energy go up, go up over a sustained period of time. Right. By the time Reagan took the presidency, inflation was running above 18% a year and they had to clamp down with higher and higher and higher interest rates which brought in a, a deep recession so we have but that was a core inflation mm -hmm. because remember wages and energy are the two basic core things that a lot of them that, that take up a lot of employer expenses they do so for the people who don't know what core inflation and transitory inflation means can you break that down sure Core inflation would be when the basic inputs into a business, those costs, continually go up over a sustained period of time, such as energy or wages. Right. Okay. Transitory inflation um, occurs due to um, non-permanent factors such as COVID-19 right now impacting the supply chain mm -hmm. because demand to put goods and services out there can't keep up with what all of us want to go spend our money on. Right. You know, last last year, everybody in the world turned around, school got out. Mm -hmm. June and July in Florida, most everyone took a vacation. They didn't vacation the year before. Mm -hmm. And if you had kids, guess what? You, were, were, you, were, you were ready and you were going <laughs> on a vacation. Okay. You know? The thing about it, I will tell you, is the other day we were at we were at dinner, and we were at Ruth Chris, right? So you would expect that if you're at Ruth Chris, the type of level of service that you're going to receive, um, you know, the service people that are there, it's gonna you're going to receive regular, so to speak, service. There's going to be enough staff in the in the restaurant. It's going to be food. It's going to be cooked in a a timely manner just because of the level of service and the price point that you're paying to be there you're you're under the assumption that it's going to move at regular pace and my girlfriend said should we have had our food by now I said why why do you think that the food is gonna come out any faster than at uh, Applebee's or Cheddar's versus Ruth Chris, and she said exactly that because we're paying $60 for a steak. I said, well, first of all, you're paying $60 for a steak. But <laughs> she, in her mind, she felt, I said, why? Why would they put more people in here to work when you have now become accustomed to waiting a longer period of time? They don't have to. Uh, you're probably right. It's, it's changed the realm. I can remember when restaurants wanted to turn tables and they wanted to get the food out to you in 11 minutes, 12 minutes at most. Mm -hmm. um, 
even places like, like Ruth Chris and what have you. Mm -hmm. Maybe they weren't on the 11 minute mark, but certainly not an hour, not, not an hour. Mm -hmm. And again, it goes back to the fact they're having trouble staffing. Mm -hmm. They're having trouble, not just with food service, but even getting qualified kitchen people. Mm -hmm. I was at the Ruth Chris a year plus ago in our local community, one mm -hmm. of them, mm -hmm. and we sent their signature filet mignons back twice because the guy cooked them well done. Mm -hmm. I don't know anyone wants to eat a I, steak no, well done. I don't. I don't. My 14-year-old, my she knows medium well, please. No, she's asking for medium well now um, in the beginning. Now she asks for medium because she says, well, I'm not going to eat it all. And when I go home and warm <laughs> I still got some room there. And I'm like, you're 14. Why do you know how to order a steak? <laughs> but it's the time that we're living in where, you know, it's the environment that your children are in. Okay, so now, um, how does inflation affect mortgage rates? Because we were sitting next to each other yesterday, and you gave me like a semi-heart attack. So mortgages go off of the bond market okay. and bonds are a fixed income security. Okay. So as inflation takes hold, the value of that fixed income becomes less. Okay. So what happens is the they have to increase the yield on the bonds right. in order to entice people to buy them and mortgages are back pooled together into a mortgage-backed security that are, are based on typically the 10-year bond mm -hmm. that goes on. So when you hear the Federal Reserve talking about increasing rates, those are short-term rates on credit cards, home equity lines, credit, but mortgage rates are based on long-terms, long right. and it is the economic trends in the market. So you see rates... Um, being impacted by inflation because it eats away at the value of the bond mm -hmm. and that then pushes the rates up. But even today, even though we've had four or five days of the mortgage-backed security market in turmoil, I still was able to lock in someone yesterday with a 604 credit score mm -hmm. on a cash-out refinance mm -hmm. through FHA mm -hmm. at a four and a quarter percent interest rate. Mm -hmm. So the rates are, are holding, up. they're holding steady, right. but certainly, you know, two months, three months ago, they were a little bit lower. Yeah. But, but and that the was biggest, still good for a 604 score. That's right. And the, taking cash out. The biggest impact on what rate you end up getting mm -hmm. is your credit score. Mm -hmm. um, do you think, when I was in the mortgage world, um, and we're talking about in 2000 to 2000 and, uh, 11, 12, um, rates were up to a 7 and 8% as standard. Do you think we'll get back to that place? Um, you know, the first mortgage I ever closed was an adjustable rate mortgage of, at like 12%. I didn't even mess with Ronald, the rates. Ronald Reagan became president and fixed rates were in the 8 and 9%. And they slowly drop, drop, drop because of the way um, people have managed and mismanaged the economy and a lot of other things. And, and uh, it doesn't matter which political party, they both have their strengths and weaknesses. Um, are we going to end up in an area where the 
we're, we're going to end up with interest rates at 6 or 7%? Mm-hmm. Probably not, but yeah. I would give you 100% guarantee. Mm-hmm. I, I think from what all the, the experts seem to tell me mm-hmm. is that when they get the transitory inflation under control, you could possibly see rates drop back down some. Okay. But I, I think the real question becomes, again, is this transitory inflation or core inflation? And right now it looks more transitory right. than, than core, but certainly the war in Ukraine is throwing a curveball to all of this. Yeah, and, and that, um, that announcement Biden made recently, too, about oil being banned, I, I didn't see that coming. Uh, I guess this is not a political show, so I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. Uh, it was crazy because when I got in the mortgage industry, my great great grandmother had a mortgage on a property and her interest rate was a 19%. And it actually, I, she didn't know that she could refinance her house and it's a much lower rate as times changed. And she stayed in an 18% rate for 30 years. 30 years. And she rented the house and I'm for thirty-five. And I'm surprised nobody ever reached out to her. But but you know what the difference is? Mm-hmm. Nowadays, you can turn around and go online, mm-hmm. and you can buy a list of people who have mortgages that are above a certain price point. Oh. And that type of information is valuable. is a valuable, not only valuable, but it's available. Right. And and, and years ago, you know, my my parents, the house we grew up in, Maitland, mm-hmm. when my mom finally paid off the mortgage and I looked at all the mortgage papers, they had a 30-year fixed rate. This was back in the 60s when right. they built the house, and it was at like um, 3.75, 4% in that range. Wow. And so okay. you can see you can see just 20 years later what core inflation does because yeah. it, it went it, up and then it, it came back down it shoved those rates all the way up into double figures yeah yeah wow hmm. when the federal reserve increased rates how does that affect like the mortgage mortgage rate well the federal reserve increased rates really doesn't impact mortgage rates per se okay most of the time the federal reserve is telegraphing what they're trying to do and what they're going to do so those increases or decreases get built into the market prior to the announcement. Um, where it does impact are on other types of variable debts, such as automobile loans, people with home equity lines of credit, and people with credit card debt. That impacts those more than it will your standard first mortgage. Really? So if I was a first-time home buyer, do I like have to have down payment assistance in order to buy a house? No, you don't. If you have your own money, mm-hmm. that would include a gift okay. from a relative or the sale of a titled asset mm-hmm. or any number of ways you can uh, come in with money for down payment and your closing costs. Mm-hmm. And remember, closing costs from a loan include what they call closing costs and prepaid items. And you don't need to do a down payment assistance program. And I would say to people, if you don't need to, don't do it because there are some restrictions that they put on down payment assistance loans. Mm -hmm. And sometimes with most of these programs, you have to stay in these homes 
for a lengthy period of time. Yeah, before it used to be like five years, and now I've seen some go up to 20 years. So the Florida bond program has typically always been in the eight to 10 year range if you use one of their programs. If you go to a city or county, what's called SHIP program, which is Strategic Housing Initiative Partnership, um, depending on the city and the county and how much money they provide you, you could end up being required to stay in that home for 10 or 12 or 15 years. And some of them, if you, for whatever reason, you have to sell the home or move, they will uh, prorate your repayment. And some of the other SHIP programs say, nope, you've got to repay the whole thing. Wow, yeah, the at, ones that at I... At the Seminole Chamber on Monday, we have the Seminole County housing people coming to the Longwood Lunch and Learn mm -hmm. to talk about housing in Seminole County and their down payment assistance program. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's crazy because, it, you know, it's meant to be a help, but at the same time, you're almost forced to stay and you can't can't outgrow that home um, without it being a penalty when before it you could like exactly like you said if, if I stayed there for if it was a 10-year term and I was there for five years I would only owe you a portion of that five years and some now are saying no I want it all back you took it out of this area I want it all back and so that would come out of the equity of the home if there's equity there and if there's no equity there what do you do you have to come up with the cash Mm. So you would need money for the new home and to give to them back home. You could potentially be in that a situation, especially if you bought the home and let's say you're, you work for a large multi-state or national or international company and mm -hmm. they walk up to you two years later and say, hey, we're transferring you. Mm. You have to move and now you have to sell to buy. Well, you may not, in a normal market, you would not have enough equity built yeah. up to do that. In today's market, you might have a little room. You might have a little room because in the last two years, appreciate your home. If you were in a $200,000 home, that home right now is probably worth, you know, 240 or more. My house I bought in um, St. Augustine. Uh, I bought it for 360000 That's a little over 7,000 square feet. Um, has a, like a, a swimming pool, hot tub, you know, outdoor kitchen, um, theater room, like all the things you could want like in your home. Um, I've had tenants in that home now for like four years. It's on a 15-year mortgage, um, but they pay over 4000 a month to be there. It's in a great community, three swimming pools, like everything you could want in this in this neighborhood. It was a growing community. I bought it for 360 and that was the appraised value at the time. And when was that? Uh, it was in 2011, right? I got an appraisal back. It's worth 801000 right now. Part of my soul wants to stay, sell <laughs> that home. And the other part of my soul says, no, you know, I have like walls in there that I painted myself. And part, I'm like, am I attached to this property? Or do I want that equity out? I don't know. Well, I would say the first thing is, and this is the hardest part, mm -hmm. is you have to detach the emotion. Ugh. because, And it's so hard to detach the emotion. Right. But it really comes down to dollars and cents. Yeah. It, it sounds really good at that 801000 and you're going to walk out with, 
with I only you know, owe like one thirty four on it so now. So you're gonna walk out with this great big pile of money that can fill up your office here. <laughs> but you know, as a CPA as well as I do, the advantages of having a rental property on your schedule E and <laughs> it's a great way to protect your income and help help reduce your, your tax liability. It is a huge way to protect the tax liability. The rehab like um, in the corner, I have um, like a fire pit, and um, we have to do some work to the fire pit this year, and we have to do some work to the cabana outside in the outdoor kitchen. And I like, my heart just says, this is my forever home, you know? And then the other part of me is like, my kids are almost halfway through school. They're going to go to college. I'm not going to need 7,000 square feet for two people that in what world, you know, does you need and a dog. That doesn't make any sense. And I have had the hardest time trying to just say, Ugh. and it's a real human thing. I didn't think I would have no. that problem because I have a really great portfolio of properties and I've let some go, have some, and kept some. But this one house has is, is been the hardest part for me. So, you know, if, if you, we're going to entertain selling. It mm -hmm. sounds like it is a specialty property in upper echelon. Mm -hmm. And while it is a true seller's market, which is probably going to stay that way for three or four or five more years, right. when you look at demographics that are out there with the millennials and post-millennial generations right. hitting in their 20s and 30s and what have you, right. um, now would be the time to sell. Mm. Because now would be the time that um, you're going to need a special person and a special buyer yeah. for that for a seven thousand square foot home. Yeah, it's so unique. It has six bedrooms, um, four and a half bath. Well, it's five bath because it's a bathroom outside by the pool. Um, it has a formal living, a family room, and then a loft. And then there's like this special hallway that leads down towards the theater room, and like that's almost like you're going and like there's oh my goodness gold-plated bathroom fixtures no no <laughs> no i got lucky the people who owned it before me they lost it in a foreclosure and they took everything they took the stove they took it's three ac units they took every ac unit. they ripped that house down to the couple and um at this time i bought it off of home path um, and I don't even think anybody goes on homepath.com anymore. No. Like there used to be a ton of properties on homepath. Not anymore. I know it's like one or two. I looked the other day just to see if homepath still existed and it didn't. But homepath, like they had it and of course they were, they had to put the AC units back. They had to put the stove. So I got lucky. They, I didn't have gold plated and green carpet, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it was good. One. Um, but I think you're right. I've been, I've been. You just got to find a way to detach the emotion and think about the numbers and what you can do. Because, you know, the great thing is right now, mm -hmm. you know, you sell that home and I'm not advocating you sell it or keep it. Right. But you walk out with a lot of money. And right now the markets are in a big correction. Yeah. And you know what you do when the markets are down. I just gave my guy from IRA my years worth of IRA money and yeah. stuck it in there now at the beginning of the yeah, year yeah. while the market's down. Yeah. This way all these things are going to start going up yeah, you're and right. I'm there. I actually bought an extra share at Google, which in July is going to be a 20 to one split. And you know, Google right now is 2,500 bucks a share. So that's like, uh, 
Yeah, yeah, I know. But look, in, in July and August, instead of having two shares, I'll have 42 shares. Um, um, and Google's going to keep going back up anyways. I think I might go put 5000 <laughs> Okay. All right. So um, what next? What next? Well, I, I think next um, we have to finish working our way through COVID. You know, the Spanish flu took three years to work its way through the globe. And this is the beginning, middle of, of year three. So if we use that, we can all hope and pray that COVID gets behind us here in the next six to nine months. Mm -hmm. The supply chain issues get fixed. Okay. And perhaps our governments, local, state, and federal, mm -hmm. get serious about working together to rebuild some manufacturing in this country mm -hmm. and that inflation comes back down That'd and when great. inflation comes back down um you'll see interest rates certainly mortgage rates coming back down and some of the other rates the other good thing is is that COVID get tank gets tamed i think you're going to see a lot of people want uh be more willing to go back into some of these service jobs right where where it's a people-oriented thing whether regardless whether you're a, a food server right. or what have you and and i understand people don't want to get sick they don't yeah. want to deal with getting COVID, and yeah, it it's sucks. a scary proposition yeah it sucks well Stu, i want to say thank you again so much prmg mortgage and if you're looking for my best friend Stu, go on our go on our page the firm alp.com he'll be on there and you can listen to the replay thank you again guys and i will see you next week <laughs> goodbye bye Business is good. The podcast dedicated to helping listeners reach their highest potential by talking about all things business, money, and life. Host Chantel Williams, a 20-year entrepreneur, speaker, and rising authority on business finances through her accounting and development company, The Firm. This podcast for entrepreneurs freelancers and side hustlers whether you're wanting to quit your day job or you've been a boss for a while tune in every thursday 2 p.m for financial success on business is good women's produced history by the month. Light march is Live. women's history month an opportunity to remind ourselves of the accomplishments of women throughout the years from science to politics we reflect on the trailblazing women who led the way for change <laughs>